Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled The Latest News on SGLT2 Inhibitors in Chronic Kidney Disease, Improving Outcomes with Early Intervention. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. Hello, my name is Kieran McCafferty, and I'm a consultant nephrologist at Bart's Health NHS Trust in, the, in London in the UK. Welcome to this program on SGLT2 inhibitors in chronic kidney disease. So the last seven or eight years have really led to a huge development in our ability to manage patients with uh, proteinuric CKD and diabetic kidney disease. These have resulted from several landmark studies, uh, namely the Credence study, which enrolled patients with diabetes and chronic kidney disease, DAPA-CKD, which enrolled patients with chronic kidney disease with and without type 2 diabetes, and similarly EMPA-Kidney, which enrolled patients with chronic kidney disease with and without um, diabetes. Taken together, each of these agents Canagliflozin, dapagliflozin, empagliflozin have all led to huge benefits in patient outcomes, hard, clinically meaningful patients' outcomes across uh, cardiac and renal endpoints that will really hopefully transform the lives or the prognosis of people with diabetes and kidney disease and those without diabetes and kidney disease in the years to come. However, despite this, and perhaps because of this, with lots of new changes uh, and lots of new changes in how we um, we understand the evidence and lots of changes in how the evidence is developed. We have to keep our healthcare uh, colleagues updated in the current management. And unfortunately, there's recent data showing that um, despite uh, these new evidence, lots of our primary care colleagues are not fully confident in prescribing SGLT2s independently. And so I think we need to really help and look at where the gaps are to help our primary care colleagues prescribe these uh, new medicines um, confidently. So how do we optimize SGLT2 use in primary care? So I think we need to help um, address the confusion, make it easy for our colleagues uh, in primary care and in other specialities to, to address and to, to prescribe SGLT2 inhibitors. I think we need to move towards a a, a, almost an SGLT2 inhibitors by default in our patients. Given these uh, different um, agents have uh, broad inclusion criteria across diabetes, nephrology, and cardiology, many of our multi-morbid patients, I think if we take the approach of looking to everyone as why are they not on an SGLT2, we could benefit from um, data registries and electronic health records to help us easily identify at scale those patients who would be eligible um, for SGLT2 inhibitors. Um, and we also need to educate our patients as well about the benefits and what we need to do to ensure safe use of SGLT2 inhibitors. So I think you've got the opportunity to improve the lives of our patients through better access to evidence-based medicine from SGLT2 therapy. So let's take a now closer look at the benefits of early SGLT2 treatment. So why are we talking about early intervention with SGLT2 therapy? I think it's really important not to wait until people progress towards end-stage renal failure because there's less that we can do to help people as they develop chronic kidney disease. Through intervention early, we buy our patients more time away from progressive CKD. We can change the likelihood of them ending up on dialysis or we can delay dialysis in those patients who have progressive chronic kidney disease. 
So it's always much better to try and intervene early before they develop their significant burden of disease. I think we need to get uh, more people on the therapies that work and, and, and less people on the therapies that make things worse. And unfortunately, um, data here suggests that over time, people, more people are on ACE and ARBs, which are good for the kidneys. But at the same time in America, there's increased use of agents which potentially put more kidneys at risk in terms of um, proton pump inhibitors and NSAIDs. And hopefully we will see over time the use of SGLT2 inhibitors take off like ACE inhibitors and ARBs. What does this, what does this burden of chronic kidney disease uh, mean for our population, for our healthcare industry? There was a recent um, poster at the ERA um, in Milan this year, which really laid bare the, the huge financial impact of chronic kidney disease now and in the future, suggesting there'll be a, a huge increase in the um, a number of patients with chronic kidney disease and the cost of renal replacement therapy. So both from a patient point of view, an economic point of view, and an environmental point of view, we need to do things now to try and prevent these outcomes in the coming years. What have we learned from um, early utilisation of um, SGLT2s? There's evidence from um, our colleagues in Japan, which looked at the use of SGLT2s across the CKD spectrum. As you can see, Overall, the use of SGLT2s was, was quite high in Japan. In some stages, almost 50% of people who could be on SGLT2s were. But I think the major unmet need from their data is the, the earlier CKD, where perhaps they're not under secondary care nephrologists, that, that many more people could benefit from SGLT2s than currently do. So in conclusion, the early use of SGLT2 inhibitors in the management of CKD offers multiple benefits. Let's explore which patients may benefit most. Patient stratification can be important in clinical practice, so let's see which factors may influence our use of SGLT2 treatment in chronic kidney disease. There was a recent large meta-analysis uh, published looking at trial data of SGLT2 inhibitors involving over 90,000 patients. Altogether, SGLT2 inhibitors reduced the risk of kidney progression by 37%. It reduced the risk of uh, acute kidney injury it reduced the risk of um, CKD and heart failure independent of diabetes and independent of which agent um, we use. So what does the study show? It highlights the significant benefits of SGLT2 inhibitors improving kidney health across the different SGLT2 um, medicines. Uh, we can effectively reduce the risk of kidney disease progression and acute kidney injury amongst many patients. And these findings reinforce the importance of incorporating SGLT2 inhibitors as a fundamental therapy for the management of CKD, diabetes, and heart failure. So what do we know about the impact of uh, age and sex have on the beneficial effects seen with SGLT2 inhibitors? There was a large uh, study conducted over 4,000 patients with CKD, and they were categorized by both age and sex. The frequency of um, adverse events was similar uh, between men and women, and as expected, um, adverse events were more common in older patients, but were certainly similar between the SGLT2 used and placebo. And more fundamentally, what this shows is that irrespective of your age, irrespective of your sex, indeed irrespective of your kidney function, ethnicity, where you take the medicine, SGLT2s give consistent beneficial effects across multiple different phenotypes that we see in our patients. When our patients start on STLT2 inhibitors and they happen to have their blood test checked and there's a, a small fall in the GFR, 
we often get asked, is that uh, a suggestive of a bad outcome? We've got recent data suggesting that for those people who abruptly change their GFR, there is no difference in the beneficial effect seen across primary composite outcome, secondary composite outcome, and exploratory outcomes of the DAPA CKD study. So when looking at GFR decline, comparing those people who don't have any decline in their GFR when starting and dapagliflozin, compared with those whose GFR falls uh, to uh, up to 10%, compared with those patients whose falls by more than 10%, there is no significant change in the GFR uh, decline over time. Uh, that's similar to um, placebo, when uh, irrespective of how much the GFR declines, there's no overall uh, annual difference in the GFR decline. So in conclusion, these data support SGLT2 inhibitor use regardless of a number of factors in our CKD population. But this is all based on trials. So let's look at, is there any real-world data to see how it impacts clinical practice? There is a, a real-world clinical study called CVD uh, Real 3, which examined the use of SGLT2 inhibitors versus other glucose-lowering uh, drugs across multiple um, countries. And what this looked at is, independent of the country, uh, SGLT2 inhibitors improved composite kidney endpoints compared to other glucose-lowering drugs. And it didn't matter which country you started your medicine in, they all were uh, similar beneficial effects. The SGLT2 inhibitors were associated with a slower rate of kidney decline and also a lower rate of clinically meaningful kidney endpoints, cardiovascular events, heart failure hospitalization, and importantly, mortality. So these results are consistent across countries and patient subgroups in the real world. And these, these findings really support the use of SGLT2 inhibitors in real world uh, clinical practice. A further study called Inside um, CKD looked at the population burden of chronic kidney disease according to um, a proteinuria or albuminuria. And we often think that while it's true that those people with higher albuminuria are higher risk for renal progression for the cardiovascular endpoints that we see so commonly in our patients, taking a more a global approach, actually many more of our patients have chronic kidney disease with, with no albuminuria or only modest albuminuria. And what this means is that the overall chances of someone developing heart failure, stroke, and uh, a heart attack, uh, dying, is actually surprisingly more common in total numbers for those with um, no albuminuria or only modest albuminuria compared to those patients with macroalbuminuria. And so that really we need to look at earlier um, kidney disease, earlier identification and earlier management to save the most amount of people possible from the devastating consequences of uh, diabetes, kidney disease, and cardiovascular disease. So in conclusion, the data we've just discussed supports the early use of SGLT2 inhibitors in the real world, mirroring what we've seen in the clinical trial data. In our last session, we'll look at some drug combinations with SGLT2 inhibitors that can potentially optimize our patient outcomes. In this final session, we will consider some SGLT2 drug combinations that may allow us to expand our management options for our patients with chronic kidney disease. So there was a fidelity analysis which looked at two landmark studies in mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists called finerenone, involving the studies Fidelio DKD and Figaro DKD, 
to look at cardiovascular outcomes in these patients and phenerenone reduced cardiovascular and kidney outcomes compared to placebo but at the time when we did these trials SGLT2 inhibitors were very uh, uncommon in our patients but from the limited uh, post hoc data that we have it appears that patients did just as well with phenerenone whether or not they were an SGLT2 inhibitor similarly SGLT2 inhibitors did not make any difference to the beneficial effects seen with phenerenone indeed those patients who were on SGLT2 inhibitors had had less um, hyperkalemia, uh, which is one of the problems with uh, middle corticoid receptor antagonists. So both these drugs represent an attractive combination therapy for patients with diabetic kidney disease. We will hopefully know more about the um, uh, beneficial effects of combining multiple agents in, in due course. So what about other agents combined with SGLT2 inhibitors? Well, there was a trial done looking at the effects of SGLT2 inhibitors added to metformin in a population-based cohort study in the UK. And they showed that in those patients who had SGLT2 inhibitors combined with metformin versus metformin alone was associated with an almost 50% reduction in the risk of severe renal disease. And it was found independently of underlying chronic kidney disease. So these study findings support the renal benefit of SGLT2 inhibitors seen in the previous clinical trials that we've already discussed and so we really think that you know SGLT2 inhibitors are are key to reducing the renal complications in the real world with type 2 diabetes. Clearly the incidence rate of endpoints in terms of cardiovascular and renal endpoints was higher in those patients with already established CKD as we know that CKD itself is a risk factor for renal progression and cardiovascular disease but the, the important thing is that the hazard ratios were for for the beneficial effect of SGLT2 inhibitors was independent of underlying CKD. So to conclude, what are the two or three take-home messages for the last talks that we've given? I think it's clear that CKD poses a significant burden to our patients, to the economy, to our society, and to the environment. Real-world use of SGLT2 inhibitors demonstrates benefits in reducing kidney disease progression at the same magnitude as those seen in the clinical trial program. Early initiation of SGLT2 inhibitors can lead to improved outcomes and reduced cardiorenal complications in our patients with CKD. So how can we start to shift thinking to optimize CKD inhibitor utilization in clinical practice? We can use data. We can use registries to identify those patients who would benefit from SGLT2 inhibitors and screen them. And we should consider comorbidities and patient-centered outcomes to maximize SGLT2 inhibitor utilization. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.